Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. 155 years of post-Confederacy life can fall apart with a rival's ranking. That is the change. The driver of change. Pete Thamel. The pandemic is weakening the humans and the animals are starting to slowly take their turn. And SI's Pat Forty. This is it. This is the, could be the tipping point. We've been warning people for years. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Hi, right, welcome to the pod. It is uh, the last week of June. And uh, throughout this pandemic, we continued to point to July 1st as a day college football would have to figure out what was going to happen. Seemed like a reasonable time. Now, maybe you can go a little longer. Maybe not. I don't know. But July, we are coming rather close now. Our hopes of like, hey, things will change in two months or something will come up or, hey, maybe they'll figure out a treatment that'll that'll do this. Lots of things have changed. There have been some improvements. There have been some setbacks. There has been some non-movement on, on different things. But we are getting close now to when, how does this thing get rolling, really? And those days are coming quicker. So no better time than to continue this discussion of, uh, I think we're going to have a season, but what kind of season? Continually getting reports this week, Texas A&M, others of, of positive tests on players. None of that is a surprise seeing a surge in positive tests around the country with an emphasis on the number of young people getting coronavirus it's felt inevitable. Don't know whether that's going to become some kind of massive tragedy or no big deal or a moderately big deal. Hard to say. We did see in a story in The Athletic just on Thursday that uh, there's a lot of discussion about pushing back conference title games a extra week so essentially into what would be the second Saturday of December in an effort to leave an open week in case of canceled games. Now, that's probably a very good long-term planning out strategic thing to do. So you're not caught flat-footed. However, for my seat, it's like gulp. Does that mean we're going to have canceled games? Do they think we're going to be some of these games are going to be canceled? How crazy is all this? So, uh, again, I think it's going to be a really dicey run for the next uh, X number of things. I think I saw, I can't remember who tweeted it out, but the plan of the, the you know, the college football playoff, how is that going to work? Now you're getting into December and January when colleges are saying they can't even be open. And they're saying that now. 
Hopefully they're overreacting, but we don't know. Someone said the conference, the, the college football playoff committee is still going to meet in person every week. Which, <laughs> Great. <laughs> the elite, the allegiance to these meetings of the uh, yeah. conference. I mean, First thing gosh. we could go. Of all meetings you want to get out of. And you Queso could get out of. Queso is a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> Queso and margaritas. <laughs> like, what else could they say? Even yeah. like late April Mike Gundy. <laughs> who who would, would say, yeah, we probably don't need to have a meeting every week. Like even, yeah. 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 even someone who thinks this is a, a hoax and is not really exist <laughs> would probably be like, yeah, just, you know, just for sake, we probably can skip that. You can do that on Zoom, right? Yeah. Um, OAN yeah, anchors no would agree that you should just probably get on Zoom. Just, yeah, I mean, just don't have the meetings. We didn't need them in the first place. Anyway, so you get literally everything from we're still meeting for six, eight weeks to, oh, boy, we better set in some gap ga- gap weeks because this Jenga tower of a season is going to fall apart and <laughs> we're not going to know who won the, the Big Ten West. So, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to play like all of a sudden you're going to redo, like make sure that Minnesota Michigan State game gets played in like December, you know, ninth or I don't know, whatever the date is. Yeah, uh, where we are at, we are not far enough to have a lot of confidence, I don't think, for July 1st. And so I think it is kick the can further down the road and start laying plans for things to go wrong. <laughs> I do. I think that you that's where we're at is is I don't see schools, you know, that, as you said, what, one of the things about leaving this open date is a presumption of canceled games. And I think that's a very high likelihood. Did a story earlier this week, the Patriot League has all but come out and said, we are not playing non-conference football. And while that's only the Patriot League, it does affect several FBS schools that they will be playing. And I think that's just the start. There's going to be other leagues, probably especially the quote unquote smaller ones that are going to look and say, okay, not only safety concerns, but cost measurements. What are we going to be doing here? Are we really going to, is this a good idea to play or not? And then we'll probably pull back. And the more games get canceled, the more things get pushed back. And, and I think that open date will be used if people are healthy, if we're healthy enough to still have a season. So I think that's happening. Um, It's so interesting. I mean, there's still, these divergent mindsets of, you know, yeah, we're going ahead. We're selling tickets. We're doing this. We're doing that. I just went to a press conference this morning, Churchill Downs. We are not only having the Kentucky Derby on September 5th. We're selling tickets for that. We will have fans, including in the infield, which is kind of hard to fathom. Uh, and then you've got people that are like, no, I mean, we're, we're not even sure we're going to play. We're not even sure we're going to do anything. So I think it's all over the board still, and we're getting to a point where it's very difficult to be all over the board. So I've heard, you know, in passing and talking to some people that the next three to four weeks are just vital, basically, to see what the state of things are. And then you got to start with the school presidents. What's their stomach for this? Do they still want to go forward with football? Are they still going forward with students on campus? You know, do you want to take on all of the inherent potential risk and controversy of mass gatherings at something like football, in addition to just the players themselves playing. So where are we? I don't know, Dan. I have no idea where we are. Great analysis. That's why you tune into this podcast. <laughs> for me to talk <laughs> to for get four that kind minutes of insider and information. Of, I don't know. <laughs> good, good work. Good chat, Thank Pat. Thank you. Could have just said that at the beginning and not <laughs> saved us. <laughs> the buildup. Whatever. <laughs> 
Pete, you know anything? I don't. I do know that the Boston Globe sitting next to me on my couch that got delivered to my driveway this morning says U.S. cases set daily record. That's today, June 25th, 2020. All right. So if U.S. cases are setting daily records right now, here's what I uh, I wrote on Yahoo on Thursday. And I feel very strongly about we need to take a long, hard look at playing this thing in the spring. And I'm not saying move it, but I'm saying is the early results, voluntary workouts, 10 at a time, well-spaced. You have outbreaks everywhere across the country. Clemson now reports to Texas A&M, Kansas State, Houston shut down their workouts. What's going to happen when you actually practice? When the guys actually are next to each other, when they're in the locker room every day, what's going to happen when 10,000 students come back to campus? Do we think we're going to have less cases of the coronavirus? No, we're going to have more. And the unpredictability of when you get it, how you get it, and then how it's spread just makes this, this season is going straight into a buzzsaw right now. And I've never been more con- con- convinced of it than the, the past few days. I talked to, to three Power Five coaches in, in the last few days who basically, one said, I have no idea how we play. The other one said, if it's contact tracing and lose a guy for 14 days, I don't know how we're going to have a football season. And another one who I asked, like, are, you know, what, what, are, what are the chances of you playing 12 games this year? And he said, close to 0%. So if we are actually pondering an extra week cushion for the conference title games because of canceled games, and I've heard rumblings about dynamic scheduling where if, like, Louisville gets 15 positive cases on Saturday – they can replace them with this team that has a buy and they can jump in. Like if you're doing these kinds of things, it's completely negligent for the leaders in college football to have not modeled out and taking a long, hard look at playing in the spring. Dr. Fauci has come out and said that there's a reasonable chance that there's some vaccines available. You start the season the week after the Super Bowl or somewhere around the Super Bowl and you go. And I, I really think that like in talking to some other ADs and coaches this week, they're like, well, Dr. Fauci, he's been wrong. He's been flip-flopping. And I'm like, really? Like, just because I played operation doesn't mean I can do heart surgery. You know, like, look at the data. Look at the stats. Look at where we're going right now. And I just see no clear, reasonable path to having a functional college football season. So if you play in the spring and you, and you move it, you are likely giving players a better chance to be healthy, which should be the main concern here. You are giving your schools an opportunity to potentially, if there's a vaccine, play with fans in the stand. So you're upping income by tens of millions of dollars. And you're actually giving yourself a chance to play the whole season. Like, I just think that I I see very little hope right now for any kind of, I just think that everyone's just going blindly and myopically into like, what's our voluntary practice plan? What? And they're not looking at the big picture, which is just, this is going to be a disaster. I think, you know, I think it's important to note. It's like, for some reason, uh, and I, I get that, I get it, but deaths is like the stat. Like, well, look, deaths aren't up or you're unlikely to die, highly unlikely to die if you're 21 and you catch this thing. Okay, that's great. Good. That's <laughs> We're all good for that. But we're just trying as a practical matter. Like, the NBA is terrified of the coronavirus. I'm going to I'd be willing to pretty much bet it all that if LeBron James gets the coronavirus, he will survive. If the coronavirus can take out that guy who may be like Earth's best physical specimen, <laughs> then we're all dying. Oh. Right. So it's not about whether you're going to die. 
or you're going to have to go into a coma. I don't think that's the case. It's what the NBA is terrified of is they get sick right before a playoff series and the whole series falls apart. And and just as a logistic in football, you can't just call up another guy. You only have so many players on your team. They're, you know, like they're doing this with baseball. They're trying to like, what if three starting pitch, your pitching rotations out for two weeks? Well, you, you know, we're going to have some guys on a practice squad or we're going to keep dudes are going to, you know, they'll always be dudes ready to go jump in, throw the ball. What do you do in college football? And how do you do this? My joke about getting every, like we're just going with a herd immunity is, is probably a strat is actually was an actual strategy. That one that <laughs> I've been hearing more no and more one, of that, by the way. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Wetzel yeah, plan. It started as a joke and now yeah. it's like, Oh, well, yeah. you know, right. But even if you do that, it, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. This is going to be really, really tricky because you're just going to lose games. And when one, one game goes down, what happens if someone's eight? No. What happens if the, you know, yeah. Some of these teams don't really play that many like tough games, you know. So it's all sure. of a sudden like you know you got an easy non-con schedule, and then all of a sudden your 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 two tough games in a conference are out, and hey, oh wait, we're turning out. You beat you know the ultimate who'd you play? I don't know. This is this is going to be super super tricky. The problem with going spring is, I mean, all your best players aren't going to play. They're going to go to the they're right. going to go to the NFL. Yeah. A lot of them bail out. You're looking at some very adverse weather situations if you're playing in February. Uh, you're trampling over basketball, which may just be the way it needs to be, as we're already looking at. I mean, the, the sports are going to be trampling all over each other this fall if they actually get played. So that would not necessarily be different in the uh, – except for the fact that the colleges are alleged, you know, caretakers of both football and basketball. You know, like the NFL doesn't care about what – about the, the masters or baseball or any of that but the colleges are supposed to care about all their sports so that is a consideration june madness <laughs> might be but hey, you want to talk about players that aren't going to play college basketball they don't want to play to begin with you tell them you got to play into june and then there's a draft uh no oh, they're not playing. if that college basketball season does start on time those all those draft picks are out they'll train well, the good thing um, is there really aren't that many draft picks in college basketball anymore well, so yeah but they all think they are they all think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This last couple of days wasn't good, so you know the number of cases is surging. Yeah, and again, we're not we're not saying that the country's gonna you know be doomed or you need to sit alone in a darkened room wearing a mask all by yourself. But it takes it. it what we found when we shut down the country is it took like three weeks plus to flatten the curve under the best of circumstances, and no one's shutting down the country again. So. <laughs> yeah no that's well, like you know i mean do the math and i know we're not big on math here but hard to imagine that all of a sudden by mid-august it's like when all the college kids come back oh it will be good uh won't be a problem very 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 tricky it is going to be you know it's going to be a real test of what are universities willing to risk or put up with and again, that goes to the top. That goes to the presidents. That's past the ads and past the football coaches. And you know they 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 were pretty quick to get things shut down back in March from a presidential level. And it's it's instructive. One of the reasons that the Patriot League and also could be a canary in the coal mine. You know they're they're pretty like minded to the Ivy League. And I would not be surprised at all to see the Ivy League do away with non conference football if they play football at all. And in March. 
the Ivy League shut down everything first. And we're all like, holy cow, they're crazy. They ended up being right. Now, this is different circumstances now in the fall and people know more and maybe they're more willing to accept a risk or whatever. But I say, watch what watch what the egghead's do and might see what everybody else does. Bowdoin College in Maine, it plays in the Neskak Division Three school. They just wiped, wiped the slate clean, not playing. And yeah, I do think we are going to see more of that, not less of it in the uh, in in the upcoming weeks. It's just it's just daunting to imagine unless your entire team has the virus, gets it, remains immune to it. Just this season, not not unfolding the way it's trending right now with significant cancellations, complications like I and again, I, death sounds so extreme. And I know what the statistics are, like Dan said, but like. What if you have immunocompromised guy? What if, you know, what if someone ends up on a ventilator like that? Like, these are the scenarios we're just trending towards right now. And it's uh, it just doesn't seem like the people are really thinking from, you know, from 30,000 feet. The PR hit of that will be bad, but they are bringing the kids back to school. I just think as a, 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 a number one thing I hear is just what happens if and it's not even an if it's like, yeah, when. What happens if our defensive secondary gets the coronavirus? Yeah. Well, well, they're going to. Yeah. Like, how how exactly are we not going to? How are they not getting it? I mean, that's they, that one thing. I mean, the administrators said a month ago, and they were right. Uh, this season ain't going to be fair. You know, I don't want to hear that's the kind of thing. Look, it'd be terrible if you lose your secondary before you play a game. It'd be awful. And you feel bad for the players. But that's going to be the way it is if we play. You know, that's there are going to be major virus related imbalances in what happens this season. So everybody's going to just have to re re resign themselves to that going in. You basically have to say we're going to play even if you got it. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, because you're probably asymptomatic or whatever. And you're just going to play. I don't believe a local health official will allow that. But I, I don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think there's one thing like if this wasn't about money, they wouldn't be doing it. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it, you know, they're not no one's sitting there worried about like some fifth grade volleyball team playing in the fall. No. It's like, oh, we may not have it this year or even high school. Like there was a lot of people sad about it and it was disappointing, but they pretty much canceled the high school sports really quickly. Yeah, because in, in the spring, because there isn't a lot of money in it. And then but maybe in football will be harder, maybe. But, you know, and, and obviously you felt bad for the kids that lost their seasons. And there was a lot, but it was sort of like, hey, what are you going to do? It's a pandemic. We can't, you know, we can't do this. So, all right, I want to get one more story here on, well, more college football, but uh, Pete's story on this week on Mike Gundy, I thought was pretty interesting, very interesting, and how it was uh, a lot more, I'll let Pete explain it, but it was a lot more than just the OAN shirt, his cable, his cable preferences, his cable bill is not. Coach Gundy's got a lot of issues with his team. There was a follow-up story in the Tulsa World by uh, Bill Haston. Uh, does good work there. And, and I thought this was pretty interesting. He said uh, in his column, which kind of confirmed a lot of the disconnect that the, the athletic department really feels is a disconnect between Gundy and his players, is uh, in advance of what would be his 30th season with the OSU program. Now, some of that was when he was a player and an assistant coach, will the 52-year-old Gundy be fired? I don't know because apparently no one knows, Bill wrote. It hasn't been determined, I'm told. Apparently, it's still a discussion at the highest levels of Oklahoma State Pyramid. What he's hearing is there's a 30% possibility of dismissal. 
70% likelihood he'll return. I think he probably survives the returns in part because of what he said to Pete and some of the steps he is taking. But recap a little bit of what you had in your in your article, which I thought was really good. And and then my question is to all of us is, do we think like Gundy probably just should have changed? He looks like a guy who's not motivated up right now and a little dis- distant. Like he probably would have been better if he had gone to Tennessee a couple years ago or, one, or taken another job when he had the opportunity. It's like it's hard to be a head coach for at the same school for 15 plus years. And he's going into season 16. Yeah, well, to, to start, you know, the the point of the article was to just take a look at, you know, the shimmering discontent in the program that uh, that led to both Chuba Hubbard's tweet and unanimous uh, support from his teammates when when he did come out and from from calling around uh, and talking to players, talking to families, talking to people around the program. I mean, it was unanimous that Gundy was just completely disconnected. Like, I can't tell you how many people said like a huge point of discontention was just Gundy didn't know players names and not just the the the, the walk on Anthony Diaz, who who almost died on the field, your regular scholarship players. Mike Gundy just was so disconnected that he didn't bother knowing their names. It was a fundamental lack of respect, really. They're like, here's this guy making $5 million a year, and he's not even engaged enough to acknowledge us by our names in a press conference. He's calling me number 11 in the, in the press conference. And so that that disconnect was, uh, was, was fairly glaring. And Oklahoma State, in their public comments and in Gundy's comments, Embrace that. And I think part of them embracing that was that Gundy just sort of being an aloof oaf was a lot better than the narrative that was the week before, which was Gundy's a racist. So they, it was it was interesting to see how it, it, and obviously all the all the aloof stuff was was real and it was happening. But that was the better course of action for Gundy and Oklahoma State to attach itself to than the Alfred Williams allegation that resurfaced, obviously, and then obviously his ties to OAN. And remember, this is all happening when a when a Trump rally comes to Tulsa on Saturday, you know, which is essentially the nearest biggest city to Stillwater, kind of equidistant to Oklahoma City. But like that, you know, that like it's it's a political cauldron the state is at, at that point. So there was there was no one of the Oklahoma State officials I talked to in the, in the people there who who even tried to pretend like Mike Gundy was locked in with the team. You, you go through like the timeline of he has the April 7th, I believe, like the infamous uh, coronavirus press conference where he wants to run money through the state and bring guys back. And then two weeks later, the players get a text that their stipends are going away and they're not going to have access. uh, Some of them aren't going to have access to their summer school classes. So like, wait a minute, this guy wants us to rush back and risk our health. He has some assistant ops guy text us, doesn't get on a Zoom and talk to us about it. So you can see, like, as the timeline goes, the, the simmering discontent. So the players in the holistic reality of this did not get screwed, but they had to live with the tension growing of their coach not talking to them on Zoom, an underling announcing it to them, and then the uncertainty that came with their financial situations. A lot of players take Pell Grant money and send it home. Like, that's a very common thing in college sports. So all this festered and all this built, and uh, Gundy refused to take a pay cut, so the school couldn't really announce pay cuts because it would look terrible if Gundy didn't take one, and Mike Boynton did, and Mike Holder did. And so, by the way, it's really confusing that all three coaches at Oklahoma, all three primary figures at Oklahoma State are named Mike. But that's another point for another time. Um, And so 
Oklahoma State is going to do massive pay cuts eventually once they realize how financially sideways they are in the fall. But like just as that timeline unfolded, which is poor leadership on the school's part for not realizing it, poor leadership on Gundy's part for not communicating it, we landed where we did. And that eventually were some of the things that built up to Chuba's tweet and his support of it. It's uh it's never a good thing if the best option you have is to be portrayed as an aloof oaf. <laughs> if that's the good option, then the bad options were really bad for Gundy. Now, it's a great story, and it really did dig into a situation of, I think, a guy who, as Dan alluded to, maybe too comfortable, too big, too arrogant, been there too long. Starts pulling away, disconnecting, like, what are they going to do, fire me? I'm winning eight games every year. Uh, they're not going to fire me. I don't need to know who the players are. You get a little bit older. You lose kind of your natural touch with younger people. Uh, and I think so all those things were probably combination factors. And, yeah, he might have been better off getting change of scenery uh, at some point in time and going elsewhere. He had chances. He tried to get other jobs. He tried to get Arkansas when they hired Bielema. And, uh He's probably right that Oklahoma State doesn't want to fire him. As Dan said, 70% likelihood that he keeps a job. That sounds about right to me. But hopefully this is the kind of the reality check that gets him back in touch with his program. Could he get a job anywhere else? Not now. Not now. Not the kind of job that would be like, I, I think the problem is you take you take over in Oklahoma State and he, you know, he he's four and seven in his first year and he builds it up slowly. Seven, six, seven, six, nine, four, nine, four, eleven and two. The 2011 team, 12 and one, had a real shot at at the at the at the title game. Fades back, but you know, then has a stretch of ten wins for the next five years. They're doing they're doing well. I'm sure at one point he thought, "I'm going to overcome Oklahoma. I'm going to be the best." Per-, you know, and then that reality hits. You're three and twelve. Oklahoma, they don't ever go away. That's why they're Oklahoma. So you almost like it's really hard to be a head coach at the same school for a long time. You know, you look at Saban, right? He's, he's been at three schools and that, and, and, and takes and took an NFL job and those recharging and those new, new challenges, you know, are, are really good. What if Nick Saban stays at, o- at Michigan state all these years? Like it's really hard. So if you were going to leave Oklahoma state you say, I want to go somewhere where I could be the top dog in the league. And Oklahoma State just doesn't quite have those that history and those resources. And until T Boone came along, they didn't have the facilities to to make that that jump. But now, where are you going to go? Because you're not going to get one of those top five, six SEC jobs, or you, you just he's just not at this point. So he's kind of in a tough spot. So I think Mike Gundy has shown he has capability of being an of getting Oklahoma State to be really, really good, top fifteen in the country even top five one year, but consistently top 20, top 15. Does this jolt him back to that level of connection with his players, work ethic, recruiting, all of the things that he apparently, as he admitted, he had started fading on uh, to, to, to be co- to get the Cowboy program back because they're seven and six, eight and five the last two years. This year, obviously, is going to be who the heck knows what the season's going to be. It's going to screw up all of our, like, you know, like the historical noting of being like 10 win seasons. Are, <laughs> right. Well, I only won six. Well, I won six and two. Um, you know, it's going to screw all us up uh, on this. But what I really liked about the story was it wasn't just like this, you know, everyone yelling at Mike Gundy. It was like, this is pretty interesting. Like, this may actually jolt his career because he, yeah. he can be, for all this, 
you could hate him or you can like him, but he's he's a good coach. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not easy to win 10 games three straight years at, at, at Oklahoma State or get them in that connection. So maybe maybe he can bring that back or maybe all of this hurts recruiting enough that he can't get there. I don't know, but it, it's a fascinating uh, a spot for him. All right, here's a story this podcast is built for. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best Louisville versus Kentucky scrap since those two guys fought at the dialysis clinic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two old dudes at the dialysis clinic smacking on each other over the cards and the cats. Oh, yeah. That's that's the ultimate card cat story. But this one's a pretty darn good one. Did Denny Crum or Eddie Sutton cheat more? (laughs) (laughs) Bags. It's time. In this corner, Christy Hester Mack, wife of Coach Mack of Louisville, basketball coach. In this other corner... Dr. Aaron Calipari, daughter of Coach Calipari of Kentucky. We have a wife versus daughter social media fight. (laughs) (laughs) Why the hell not? (laughs) In June. In June. In In June. June. This is the rivalry is so great. (laughs) Christy Mack uh, seemed to favor... A post on, uh, I don't know, was this Facebook or some Facebook. some social media? Yeah, Facebook. From a woman named Kristen Stevenson, who uh, is a long post. I'm not going to bore you with it. It's sort of uh, brought up, uh, I don't understand whether why we have these protests are okay with, with uh, social distancing and you need a mask and, I don't know, different stuff like this and Where's the, I, I, it's just is what it is. I'm not, I don't want to get into it. I don't, I'm not making a statement on the, uh, I'm not, not giving a, a thumbs up or thumbs down to the opinion, but it is, a, you know, are the protests essential? What's going on? Are we supporting police and all that? Christy Mack uh, put three, three emojis of a hand pointing at the post. So that seemed to be like this, right? I think that's mm-hmm. what that stands for. Yep. Gotta just damn hieroglyphics. We gotta <laughs> cipher these things. I don't even know. How, I don't want to quirk. I don't. I don't want to read this like opus that this other woman no. put out. But I don't. I'm probably mischaracterizing. No, it. you characterized it well because I did. Right, whatever. It. You, man. you did I'm gonna get, well. I don't. I don't. Someone's card fans are gonna start yelling at me. Your cat fans. I don't know. Oh, they will. Anyway. It doesn't matter. Trust me. It does not it matter, matter how you characterize it. They will yell at you. They all hate me. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Dr. Calipari, she is a uh, clinical, she does like research on how, um, uh, so her her Twitter bio is Dr. Calipari, but she does uh, research on uh, how uh, addiction works um, oh. down at Vanderbilt. Yeah, very important work. Erin Calipari, sorry, we're, we're not going to call you doctor uh, for this because it's too, it's too confusing. She posts on, uh, I believe, Twitter, yep. at Coach Chris Mack, you may want to have a talk with your wife about... That's never a good, I mean, that's never a good way to start. <laughs> that is a straight, like, that, Molotov that cocktail is, throw, right? <laughs> that, that's a drop the gloves before the other, the other guy's still holding his stick. <laughs> you may want to have a talk with your wife. No husband wants to have that talk. I don't even know what follows. <laughs> you may want to have a talk with your wife about how this looks to your basketball players. An innocent black woman was killed in her home by police in your town. And she's worried about if the police are okay. And so off it went. Now, I believe that tweet was 
I have to do some forensics here. I don't. I mean, I <laughs> that was taken down, but uh, it doesn't there, matter. Yeah, there were many tweets. She she did not just tweet that one. It became then her justifying that, and then it became her saying, "I'm I'm deleting my my uh, my mentions. I'm not going to even listen." Then it became she just took it all down. It was a an avalanche that came very quickly and rather predictably after that tweet. So were, were the sides drawn between the Cardinal fans and the Cats? Well, <laughs> or just it's like, Paul, I mean, not every Cat fan is on this side of the political aisle. And not, I mean, you know, you think there's some right. crossover, but there, maybe not in this case. No, there was definitely some crossover that I saw. This was my my fundamental error in this, although I was highly just entertained by the whole thing, as as we all were. You know, I tweeted that if you thought that maybe the uh, the rivalry was losing steam, here's your proof that it wasn't. And then, oh, my gosh, it, it was off and just flying. Now, there were some Kentucky fans who are conservative, who don't want to hear from a loudmouth liberal, even if she is the daughter of the coach. There are some more liberal-minded Louisville fans who don't want to see Christy Mack taking the side that she was espousing there. So there was some of that, but mostly what there was – your coach is an awful human being. No, your coach is an awful human being. Your school cheats. No, your school cheats. Your co- the, the coach that's named on your arena is a racist. I mean, it was a complete meltdown. And it, be- it just became my tribe is morally superior to your tribe. And it was classic Kentucky Louisville. And that's about once a year in the offseason, something will happen where it's like you all you just go like that, like you said. You before you even drop the stick, the the gloves are off. It's like you just you don't go for you go from a civil disagreement to I want to shoot you. Basically, I mean it's, that's what that's what it's like. Well, about once a year, this is that time, and it, it often happens in the summer because it's boring in Kentucky and nothing's going on. That's why it's a rivalry. I think you know open forum. Like the the more chaos, the better. The more made for pod programming, the better. <laughs> like this was immediately identified by our listeners as something like right directly in our wheelhouse. I especially enjoyed it because I know that uh, Dr. Calipari, uh, Aaron, I believe. Yes. yes, Aaron. Has had some choice hot takes on, on our very own Pat Forty. So oh, oh, yeah. you think? You think? <laughs> so we know she has good taste already if she's if she's prone to annihilate Pat on Twitter. So mm-hmm. yes, the uh, you know, you could see the same uh, the same piss and vinegar we saw in John when he was at UMass, like sticking his middle middle finger up to Jim Calhoun and the rest of the establishment has uh, has gone down through his family. But like a classic quintessential modern social media fight that never would have happened in the 90s. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, there's just those people would even recognize each other in public in the 90s. Uh, no, they, they'd be on talk radio then in the 90s. Yes. It, it's, the, it's a similar fight. But it's the, the, the thing that obviously ratchets it up is when it's family going after family. And yes. Aaron Calipari is so far out of bounds here that, I mean, it's, it is pretty... Pretty amazing. And the Calipari in the past has said, ah, you know, I don't want my, you know, I've, I try to get my daughters to stay out, out of that stuff. I don't think he's trying that hard because they keep doing it. So <laughs> the proof's in the pudding. If they Maybe act can't way, control them. If they show, they show you who they are, believe them. He can cut their scholarship checks. <laughs> Dr. Calipari is not going to take crap from anybody. Apparently not. Um, she, yeah, I don't she, know. She wasn't I, I, even taking crap, though. She started the crap. That's the thing. Well, she's going to drop the gloves, like I said. She saw some. I, I, she definitely escalated it. She definitely escalated it. I mean, there's no question. Uh, you can disagree with someone's political opinion or opinion on this, 
but she went right after, went right to the husband. Didn't even yeah, address. Uh, don't don't go to the husband. You got a yeah, problem taking to Christy Mack on Facebook. I'm gonna be nice to Dr. Calipari. I don't need her coming after me. <laughs> Smart. It was a good fight, though. We'll take it. So if you want to keep at it, go ahead. Oh, they are still. I'm still like like every 15 minutes on my phone. I, like somebody, some Cardinal fan is screaming at some cat fan. Or vice versa. Um, all right. Here's a, a quick update on a story we had. Uh, Kylan Hill, the Mississippi State player, said he wasn't going to play for the the Bulldogs this year unless the state of Mississippi got the Confederate flag out of its own state flag. Uh, I think that's how I would phrase it. There's too many. These stories are too complicated. These are like lightning rods. I, I feel like I'm... <laughs> I get screamed at for... It's not the Confederate. It's like, uh, whatever it is. The, the the image of the Confederate flag inside the Mississippi State flag, Mississippi, the state of Mississippi flag is still there. But on Thursday, virtually every single football and basketball coach, certainly all of them at Ole Miss and Mississippi State, they finally found something they could agree on. This, that is notable. This alone that is newsworthy. notable. Yeah. All went down to Jackson, Mississippi and met with the state legislature lobbied on this. And uh, I think they're telling them recruiting's going to hurt. I, it always goes back to recruiting. Sure. If uh, nothing will cause people to change their political opinions more <laughs> than if they think this might cost them a three star linebacker from Stone Mountain, Georgia. One hundred and fifty five years of of post-Confederacy life can fall apart with a rival's ranking 24-7 composite. That is the change. The driver of change. I can't recruit. Coach can't recruit. Gotta go. Sorry, Confederacy. This might stomp out the Confederacy a little bit. It might. Can you believe it? Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin are holding hands down in Jackson. How about that? Both want to be on the right side of an issue that could, yeah, the uh, the outside linebacker from Pascagoula is watching. He wants to know. <laughs> well, good for Kylan Hill, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, a, a very good player, poised for a very big year, just goes out there and and, and puts his, you know, uh, there's, there's a vulnerability that comes with that because now all of a sudden – your school in your state makes a value judgment on you essentially and says, well, are, is it you know worth this guy essentially playing, you know, to, to change something that, you know, for for decades has been the symbol of hatred in our uh, in, in our state. So fascinating. And like, I, I mean, we, we have seen so many impressive things from different players through through all this in, in the social justice movement, be it Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins at Clemson. Um, you know, there's just been there's been there have been years worth of progress in a month, essentially. And uh, again, hopefully it's just a start. We certainly uh, we, we certainly want more. But, uh, you know, Kylan Hill, uh, you know, you know, that that's a that's a big thing he's taken on. I mean, Chuba Hubbard took on his head coach, and that was a big deal. But this is this goes a lot bigger and deeper than uh, you know than, than your than your coach. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he probably has a lot of support, but he also has a lot of backlash. I mean, there's a reason that flag is still the flag in Mississippi because there is a significant number of people that do not want to let go of it, and you know that's why the, the state legislatures are like, eh, well, we'll try to get this done, but I don't know whether we can get this done. It is such a Politically hot topic. I mean, to me, it's a it's a terrible commentary on Mississippi, not the whole state, but enough of a pop part of the population that you could be so resistant to changing something like that. 
But that's the facts. And so Kylan Hill did step out in a uh, in a fairly precarious position. Let me just add quick, Dan, one of the interesting reverberations from, uh, you know, living in the Oklahoma State orbit the past couple of days reporting that story is that one of the things that the players did say that was a, a, just a striking reverberation to them was how many fans like showed their true colors and they did not like what the fans had to say, just in terms of like the fans calling out the players for for, for what they did with Chuba, you know, calling Mike Gundy's OAN shirt unacceptable. Like the, the, the players themselves got a peek into the fan base's soul and they did not like what they saw. I mean, the fan base of college football is conservative in, in mm-hmm. huge numbers. So, yep. and also the ones that are going to scream are you know the loudest they're the loudest like the, yep. the, the one that goes yeah he's, he's got a point that guy just goes about his business or i moderately right. agree yeah. he's not yeah those people right. don't, don't grab a bullhorn to say i'm yeah agree. and so i think that that that's part of it too i mean i think a lot of people just like yeah you know what probably shouldn't have worn that shirt or maybe he should or I, or I, I just i'm not I, whenever i talk to people who are super political they get mad at me sometimes i'm like yeah you know <laughs> Doesn't really affect my life. This part, this this one thing, I'm not offended by virtually anything. So, uh, one way or the other. But people get offended. They got man. You say they're going to take down that flag, and people are going to get triggered. Yeah. Or they're going to have opinions one way or another. So I just think it's fascinating that it very quickly uh, he was a catalyst, a, a big push. Whether or not that flag goes away or not, I don't know. But Kylan Hill, that's that's what you call using your platform, uh, if yep. you will. All right, look at this. is The biggest news in the world right now. It's not the <laughs> coronavirus. I can tell you that it's not a tourist in Scotland who toured Scotland is claiming he has a picture of no less than the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> no less. The Loch Ness monster. The keen amateur photographer took photos of the water and described what he saw as a big fish that came to the surface and quickly went back under. He was uh, what's this guy's name? Steve Chalice. Told the UK's Daily Record, which is uh, a, mag- a newspaper of uh, limited uh, credibility, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Said he was on holiday last September when he spotted ripples at the Yerkerhart Castle, which is last where the September? Loch Ness Monster apparently lives. Uh, but he did not check his photos until the pandemic. And that's when he noticed this whale looking thing uh, coming up in the in the lake. And uh, put it on uh, internet and everything went wild. And now people really think that the Loch Ness Monster is around. I, for one, think this photo is completely doctored and, uh, and totally ridiculous and not true. However, I want it to be true. So I'm just going to, in modern, <laughs> you know, modern fashion, clearly the Loch Ness Monster exists. <laughs> and this absurd photo is proof. Pete, your thoughts. Is there a Loch Ness monster out there? Of course there it is. is. <laughs> My God. You know, I mean, if you look at that photo, like that's not exactly like the fish Pat's holding in his Twitter profile. You know, like, <laughs> oh, look at the little striper I caught on the lake. No, that thing is a monster. It is a literal monster. The Loch Ness, the Loch Ness monster exists. And damn your skepticism, Dan Wetzel. We need a distraction right now. <laughs> Don't give us... 
don't don't be skeptical of the opportunity for some paranormal activity to be happening in Scotland. And Pat, I believe you've covered uh, golf in Scotland, correct? I have. Yes. Did you yes. search for the Loch Ness monster while you're there? And if you haven't, you're negligent. Um, I stayed at a golf course that had a pond. And I looked and I didn't see him. So, you know, one day when I was going out to my car to drive to the course, eh, no. Okay. So that was the extent of my search. Uh, the photo is completely bogus. The newspaper is completely bogus. It's last September. You took a picture of something like that. Oh, and you didn't notice until 10 months later. I think it might've stuck out when you were taking the picture. Like what in the hell is that behemoth down there in the water? It's doctored. It's fake. Uh, you, you should have gone to the Glasgow Times or something. If you think you got a good Scotland story, you go to the, the, the newspaper of highly questionable authenticity, as Dan pointed out. Is there a Loch Ness Monster? Yes, of course there is. And he's smart. He's damn smart. And that's why he hadn't been caught for this long. You know, he's been around for a century. He's old. He's wily. He's cagey. He lets these, these, these things run wild out there, but he is never caught. He really is. It's like Barry Sanders in the open field. Just <laughs> possible. To, it's like a wet bar of soap. Just, <laughs> what does he do? He just swims on the bottom just for like uh, 20, 30 up. years on end. He's got incredible lung capacity. Yes. Yeah, so fish. I, I bet he has sophisticated tuna opinions. <laughs> yeah, probably does. Man, the, the star kissed or the chicken of the, which one? Oh, it was Bumblebee. Bumblebee yeah. is the real villain. Bumblebee. Yep. They're like, man, there's a lot of cans out of that guy. <laughs> uh, well, I hope he's real. I just, you know, so as far as I'm concerned, that's that's his new. That's it. Way to go. Is Loch Ness Monster the one that they call him Nelly, right? Nelly? Yeah. Yeah. Nessie. 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 Right? Yeah. Nessie. Yeah. Yep. I'm more of a, you know, a Bigfoot guy than the <laughs> Loch Ness. Remember, we've had Maybe that can be UNLV's new mascot. They've replaced <laughs> Hey Reb with Nessie. <laughs> there you go. There's a lot of water. I mean, they, by the Hoover Dam, maybe. Yeah, you never know. We, uh, yeah, no, we, we've had some good Bigfoot discussions in the past in various iterations of podcasts and radio shows. I know that. We will again. All right. Uh, this is a, a public service warning for everybody. Uh, I know travel is limited due to the, the virus and all, but if you were going to Thailand uh, anyway, wear a mask on the flight very long. But uh, if you go to the city of Lopburi, I have an updated updated situation from the streets of Lopburi, Thailand. Travel advisor. Yeah, we have a lot of podcast, podcast listeners. listeners there. Yeah, so that's we really do. important. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're, we're alerted to this. Uh, residents are barricaded indoors. This is according to the Daily Mail in England and the, the English papers. That's really throwing <laughs> them all out there. <laughs> so fun being in best parts of the london olympics uh, back in reading those the, the tabs were still big then they've, they've faded in years but yeah. i just get up and buy a couple of those things and have my coffee and sure see read what them. total micro thing that happened they build up into an international incident yes best good yeah. times anyway daily mail was one of my favorites residents are barricaded indoors gang wars are on the street and there are no go zone city and no go zones in the city uh and not because of drug cartels or anything like that it is because some 6,000 monkeys that uh, live in the city and, and for years have attracted tourists who feed them fruit and take pictures of them. Uh -huh. Due to the lockdowns, there are no tourists, which means the monkeys are running short on food, turning them violent <laughs> and leaving locals struggling to control. 
The primates were pictured getting to a massive brawl in March <laughs> over bananas. <laughs> People have since taken to feeding them junk food in an attempt to keep the peace. But many believe the sugary diet has termed them <laughs> sex crazed. <laughs> and that they are now breeding faster than before. Oh, my God. <laughs> the pictures here are insane. There's Video. just stacks of monkeys insane. fighting. Yes. Yeah. Going at like there's one picture. This poor woman's driving through on a moped and there's like, I mean, this is menacing. This is yeah. these this is what we're talking about. <laughs> this is what we've been talking about. There's 10 <laughs> monkeys ready to jump this lady. This is it. The pandemic is weakening the humans and the animals are starting to slowly take their turf. This do is it. This is the, could be the tipping point. We've been warning people for years. They do not feed them junk food, Doritos. And <laughs> there is excrement everywhere. The smell is unbearable, especially when it rains. This is true. <laughs> Sex crazed. <laughs> Monkeys in Thailand. Uh, what are we gonna do, Pat? I mean, uh, we got they can't swim, can they? Can they get to us? I hey, don't put it past them. Don't Lock put this past monster, give him a ride on his back, and he gets over there. And <laughs> there you go. See? You want to talk about a conspiracy? That's it. Nessie joins forces with the sex crazed battle monkeys of Thailand. And here they come. Yes, I think we should be very concerned. Look, the virus made it from Asia over here, so can the monkeys. Don't discount them. And yeah, next thing you know, it the monkeys are going to strap 30 killer hornets together and come on over <laughs> here. They're going to fight back. They might need more than 30, 30 million. But uh, no, let's look. Thailand, long known for its sex trade. Now the monkeys have taken over that too, apparently. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a dangerous situation. <laughs> Very dangerous situation over there. Look out. <sighs> There goes our sponsorship with the Lobbery Chamber of Commerce. We were <laughs> just about to get that home. Locals say a sugary diet of fizzy drinks. Who's feeding them fizzy drinks? I, they know my feelings on Diet Coke, so it's yeah. not me. Here is the uh, a, a manager of a local temple. The more they eat, the more energy have they have, so they breed more. Oh, my. Oh, my. Total mayhem. Yeah. yeah, and later on in the article, they go on to say that by Friday, they want to neuter over 500 of these monkeys. Whew. Really? Oh. Wow. Well, there's like, a job. Rapid mass neutering. Yeah, that's no thank yeah. you. I don't want to, I don't want to be on about that as, that, that sounds about as fun as being an NSA compliance director. <laughs> <laughs> you think we got problems worrying about whether we're going to get a full 12-game regular season in? <laughs> Yeah, right. All right, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to uh, wrap up our three state of the conferences and other mayhem that goes on. Uh, we got the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Big 12 to discuss. Uh, Pat and Pete did a good job with the ACC and Pac-12 earlier, but they're saving the big conferences because you know, need my opinion on this. And I uh, hope everyone has a good, uh, safe weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on uh, July 4th week. Take care. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery 
Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.